Welcome back to Tradmen, everybody. We are joined once again by uh, official friend of the show, Angela Erickson from Integrated with Angela Erickson. Uh, if those of you who follow our podcast who do not follow Integrated with Angela Erickson, you need to. Uh, link in the description to her channel. All kinds of great content dealing with the pro-life ministry. Um, what kind of other stuff do you talk? Because I, I, that's that's what I mainly follow you for is your is your pro-life stuff. Yeah, um, really kind of what integrated is all about is reintegrating the mind, body, and soul. So I actually talk a lot about art and beauty because I just think uh, right now, culturally, we're so, um, there's so much things that are devolving and are so degraded sure. um, and degenerate, <laughs> you yeah, know, like yeah. you just see that everything is falling apart. So I really want to point to things that, um, to the human condition and reintegrating those so that we can be better disciples of Christ. Um, cause I just see that as being a huge reason why things are messed up today. There's so much Gnosticism. There's kind of that divorce of the body and soul. So, um, yeah, like I just had Chris Lewis on from Beartooth Catholic to talk about his work. Um, definitely have talked quite a bit with Jake Tate about mass of the ages. I've talked to Melody Lyons about, um, Oh gosh, I talked to her about holistic health and healing. I've talked to Layla Miller about adult children of divorce. We've kind of been Excellent hitting it episode. all. <laughs> yeah, I think that is like one of my more underrated episodes. It was. I'm gonna a, have to go check that out because I was, am I am an adult child of divorce, so same, I'm yeah. gonna have to go. No, same here. It was it was one of the first episodes that I listened to that Angela had, and it was excellent. And you even had. Uh, What's her name? Is it Carrie Grease from Theology Car of Carrie the Home? Carrie Grass. Yep, that was Carrie a Grass, really popular yeah. episode as well. And I've um, and I've mentioned to Angela that my wife um, has become a big fan of her show. Listen, I think up to this point, maybe most of them, because yeah, I mean, your 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 apostolate is more than just a pro life. I know, I, I know. Mm -hmm you're very well versed in the pro-life movement, but yeah. um, the feedback that she gives me as a woman and, and even myself on, on the episodes I listen to is they are, they are uplifting and encouraging. And, you know, in, in a world where there's so much clickbait and negativity, it's nice to come to a podcast where it says, like, like you mentioned, let's talk about the beauty of the mind, body, and soul integrated in, into one whole being. Yeah. And I think too, like I had Francis J. Beckwith on to talk about, um, the philosophy of human life and, and dignity. That was a good one. That was another really good episode. I thought, um, I'm biased maybe, but, but it, what I really wanted to do is I felt like a lot of female podcasts were, they just weren't my cup of tea. I couldn't relate to a lot of them. They were kind of lacking intellectually and not to say that these women are stupid or anything. It's just that, cause they're not, I mean, but, you know, I feel like a lot of it is sort of ordered towards homemaking. And those are all really important things. But I sort of need something to, to chew on when I'm listening to something on podcast or watching something. I need something that makes me think a little bit. Hmm. Um, so that's kind of also what I wanted to provide. I wanted to be kind of a different voice for um, Catholic women in, in the podcasting sphere because a lot of it is really heavy into the spiritual stuff or really heavy into the homemaking stuff. Um, but I, I wasn't seeing, and sometimes it gets a little too feely, touchy feely for me. Like I, th and, and that's like another thing too, is I think, you know, so often today, and, and we'll talk about that, this I'm sure, but um, especially among women, 
their emotions are so unhinged from their intellect. And we've kind of been groomed to be that way. But in a rightly ordered world, our emotions are tempered by our intellect and vice versa. So sometimes you can see more of the men kind of lacking empathy um, and being hyper-focused on being rational, logical creatures. But really, that's kind of part of what men have to do is to overcome and, and reintegrate is to have their rationality sort of hum, hum, like humanized mm -hmm. by, by their emotions. And women have the opposite problem where sometimes they're too heavy on the heart stuff. And then they're irrational. They kind of get that... Um, they sort of fall into that stereotype of being hysterical women. And mm. so I, I sort of wanted to bring that together in my podcast as well. And, and you see it's rife within the feminist movement. They're being really heavy on the emotions part. Um, no uterus, no opinion types. <laughs> and yeah. really lacking in the rationality component. So, yeah, so I, so I want to make sure that I, that I understand you right, because it sounds pretty controversial that – what you're saying is that men and women are built different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Typically, that, yes. That that men and women are equal in dig dignity, but not equal in their abilities and emotions. Yes. You you can quote <laughs> me as saying that men and women are quite different. <laughs> and so that's our first so. piece of Russian disinformation <laughs> that we've uh, uncovered here on Trad Men. So, Angela, just how long have you been a white supremacist? <laughs> oh. uh, no, I'm well, as soon as I started internalizing my misogyny, oh, of that's probably, what it, yes, that's probably yeah. what it was. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, before we begin, we got to go any further. We got we've we've got to invoke the divine blessing really quick, as we mm -hmm. as is our custom on this show. Uh, please feel free to join along with us. Uh, is Jason? Are we cool with the Vinny Sancti Spiritus? Let me pull it up here. I, I forgot to do that. That's okay. But You're uh, not I going to sing it for I'm, us. That's I mean, right. <laughs> Believe me, no way, if, man. If, no I, way. If, if I sing it, it will bring more cursing than it does blessings. You know, <laughs> not that's not what Saint Augustine says. It says me, to sing well is to pray twice, right? He also never heard me sing either. I uh, so uh, some of you know, I spent uh, right after high school before I went to college, I spent two years in a house of formation discerning a vocation. And every morning we would wake up, and the very first thing we would do is go into the chapel and we would sing the Veni Sancti Spiritus. And after about a year and a half of doing that, I was, I, this is awful to say, I was so sick of that song. And I swore I would never, when, when I left, I was like, I'm never praying the Vinnie Santi Spiritus ever again. I'm never going to listen to it. I never want to sing it. And then recently I heard the chanted version of the, the, the long version of the Vinnie Santi Spiritus and my heart just exploded with nostalgia and uh, it was weird how that how that can happen after so long a, a period of time away from it. But anyway, that's a long story about the Vinny Santi Spiritus. Well, it gave me enough time to pull this up, so I'm ready. All right. In nomine Patris et Fili et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Vinny Sancti Spiritus, reple tuora corda fidelium et tui amoris in eis ignim acende. Imite Spiritum tuum et creabuntur. Et renovabis facim tere. Oremos. Deus qui corda fidelium sancti spiritus illustrazioni docuisti, da nobis in iodum spiritu recta sapere, et de eos semper consolazione gadere, per Christum Dominum nostrum. Amen. Amen. Still committed to memory. I will never forget the words. I, was, I will never. I was just about to say, what episode are we on? Like 
thirties. This is going to be 36. I think 36. We've probably done that prayer for 95%. And I still haven't memorized four or five words. Yeah. Sing, <laughs> sing it, sing it every day for two years and you will never forget. <laughs> so uh, I did, I did want to, you know, so as anybody that's clicked on the link here can tell the, the topic today is the crisis pregnancy centers. And yeah. I just wanted to m make a quick note before we got into it. I guess what started it for me is uh, Angela a while back did a, I, I don't know, but it's been about a month maybe. Um, she got, she did a live broadcast and talked about um, what's your AG Keith Ellison. Yeah. He wanted to put a consumer warning label, whatever that means on crisis pregnancy centers. And uh, she did a, she did a live. It was a good live where she talked about it. You know, you can still go check that out. And it really made me realize I have a basic understanding of what crisis pregnancy centers are, but I don't really know much about them. And I thought this would be a good opportunity to not only uh, learn about them by myself, but I can't be the only guy out there that's not, completely familiar with them. So I, I think this, especially after Roe, this information about them, the, the true information is important because there's a lot of disinformation out there. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. I, you know, when we first actually first connected, it was um, because I posted something on Twitter, I believe about no longer calling myself a pro-life feminist. Um, and that really intrigued you. Oh, it was on, on, uh, Instagram. I did yeah. some sort of Instagram reel about it. Um, but yeah, I think this is just in all, all in all, it's kind of, um, unless you're really involved in pro-life work, I don't think you know a whole lot about pregnancy centers because, and this is something that I think we need to be better about within the church, but, uh, I think a lot of people would rather just like send money to organizations and not really get their hands dirty. Yeah. And yeah. like, we certainly need the money, you know, that's what the church is supposed to do. I'm not, I'm not somebody that really supports government programs, providing all of the resources for uh, women and children in need. I think we need to stop with that mentality because look at where it's gotten us. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, as Catholics, we believe in this notion of subsidiarity. So it's really incumbent on the church to stretch themselves in terms of giving of our time, talent, and treasure. Um, we actually have a duty to do that. And pregnancy centers are a wonderful way to help support uh, women who are facing unplanned pregnancies and their children and their, even their boyfriends or husbands, sometimes they just need a little direction as well. Yeah. And you, you bring that up about the church. Cause I don't know if you were in that night's meeting, Mark, that we had not too long ago. I think it was a night's meeting, uh, nights of Columbus. But anyway, they had mentioned that some of the, uh, pregnancy centers here in Houston after row were like, I guess lack of better terms, booming. They were needing lots of help. And they were saying, Hey, if you, you know, like my, uh, my sons are in the troops of St. George. And of course they have to, they don't have to, but part of it is community service. And, and in that meeting, they were saying that if your sons want to get involved in help, these guys running these pregnancy centers are really <coughs> needing a lot of volunteers right now because they're growing like crazy in this post real world that, that we live in now. So, yeah, I mean, it, the, I, I agree with you. The church needs to be involved with it. It needs to be the leader in this ministry, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's, it's one thing to be 
we're not just pro-life. We're anti, we're not just anti-abortion. We're pro-life. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot more than just, well, as long as, um, as long as we prohibit the abortion from happening, we're good. We're good. And, right. and, and everything's solid. We, we actually have to, um, we're called to radical charity. <laughs> and that's, 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 uh, different than, you know, just donating money. Like you're talking about it. It takes time and resources and, um, a greater sense of empathy about what a lot of these women are going through. And um, because that's not only going to, that's not only going to reduce abortion as a phenomenon, but that leads to, it it leads to uh, a fuller person uh, and, and fuller and and fuller. I didn't know idea what I'm talking about. My brain. We need to change the culture. I think is we got to change the culture. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Restoring women to their right dignity. And I, you know, for as much flack as, as St. Pope John Paul II gets sometimes he really understood um, where women were struggling in the culture and in the world. Um, You know, I just think about his, writings on the feminine genius and things like that it's you know i think sometimes he gets slapped with this label as being some sort of feminist pope icon thing and i think that's really unfair um if you actually read his writings he is very much in favor of women being at home and calling us to create an economy within the church and within our actual like monetary economy that prioritizes women being in the home with their children and men being the sole providers for their families. He actually, he actually says it's, it's, it's a, it's sad that we live in a time where a lot of families feel like both the men and women have to work. But, but anyway, the the reason I, I bring that up is because it's just women are in this culture today and they're being told that their dignity is found in being equal to men in this really superficial sense. And they've bought into this lie believing that abortion is their ticket out their ticket out of uh, the chains of motherhood and they can pursue whatever they want they, or they can have it all. I'm so sick of that lie. And, and pro-life women push it all the time, pro-life organizations. And you know, they might be doing great work and they might really believe that. I don't know. I think there was a time when I really believed that until I became a mom <laughs> and until I had more than one or two kids and you realize you really can't have it all. You have to make hard choices. That's life. That's just life. And these women, they're making hard choices. They go to a pregnancy center. Um, they're wanting to hear about their options. <laughs> this is Veronica, by the way, if anyone's new here, she's a permanent staple right now. Absolutely. On, <laughs> on my podcasts. Well, she's um, a friend and, of the show. And too. ours. She's <laughs> a friend of the show. <laughs> yes, sure. she is. Oh my goodness! Look at that. <laughs> if you ain't able. if you ain't watching on uh, YouTube right now, you're missing out. Yeah, that's a cute baby. <laughs> cute baby alert. Um, but like you know, and you know that too as parents. Like you, if you have any children, like well, life in general, just about choices. Okay, yeah. you can't have it all. Right. It's just that's how it is. But parenthood is extraordinarily sacrificial. That's part of the nature of parenthood. That's why, why it's so sanctifying. Um, and women are being told even in pregnancy centers sometimes that you can have it all, you know, you just have this baby. We'll help you, which is great. We should be doing that. And women can have way more than I think they realize. Um, but we have to be really honest with them. And, and I do think that is one legitimate question that people who are pro-choice might have with with um the pro-life movement or pregnancy centers i think that's a legitimate thing we have to be really honest about 
what it means to be pro-life because they are saying yes to a lot when you have a child, but it's the best yes you could possibly make. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Well, I appreciate and- you saying that because I think, I think a lot of times maybe, maybe they are correct in one criticism of us. And that is we tend to be so caught up in just the, the anti-abortion aspect of it that we do not, I like what you just said when you said, when you say yes to life, you're actually saying yes to a lot. And I think we do realize that we do. We don't deny that or try and to they gloss realize over that. it. That's why this <laughs> wouldn't be such a big deal. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they, re- so there's no reason to, to sugarcoat it. Sure. Yeah. You yeah. know, they know the gravity of the decision. So no, there's that's no, well said. there's no, uh, there's, it's just a necessary, um, yeah. But yeah, the pregnancy th- center thing, I think, is really misunderstood. I don't think people are aware of what pregnancy centers actually offer often. Well, this, um, this became well, news. This became news in the wake of the Dobbs decision. Yeah. And oh, yeah. The first thing that comes to my mind, obviously, was Senator Elizabeth Warren in an unhinged, psychologically uh, unstable rant where she's pacing back and forth in the parking lot. Um, I noticed she didn't become psychologically unhinged until the cameras were there. She seemed pretty composed up until that point. But once the camera showed up, she was just enraged. And then she went off on, we have to do something about crisis pregnancy centers. And I thought, well, that's a weird, what, so tell us real quick, what is the, what is the controversy here? Cause I failed to see how in the world you could find a place where people are not, they, they don't provide abortions, obviously. They don't, uh, it's not a, a, a pro-life political, you know, office or something like that. This is literally a place where women who are in crisis can come. And you would think pro-choice people would be interested in women knowing what their options are because the word choice seems to go hand in hand with options, but yet... They are very much see. They very much seem to find these things a problem. Tell us a little bit why. Why is that? What is the beef exactly? Mark, if if I may, if I may be oh, as rude, please. If oh, I please. may be as rude, because I, I was going to make the comment, you know that. Um, well, two things actually. One is, I do think you know, as far as being pro life, I do think a lot of people have an unfair. Yeah assessment of how we really feel you know oh you're just pro birth mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and for and in general in actually the majority of the cases people people that are pro life are well beyond pro birth they support you know a lot more than just that but i i think i think what the question you're asking is going to be a pretty vast majority of the show because there's so much disinformation about pregnancy centers out there that if you don't mind, I would like to, before we got it, because once we get into that, it's going to veer off into all the, the controversy, like you're saying into it. I thought maybe we should let, let Angela, maybe at first, before we veer off into that, tell us what pregnancy centers are exactly Mm-hmm. And 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 the positives that they provide, because like I said, once we get into the cons, there the, there are. I noticed today in my research, there were so many cons that 
it could take a whole show in itself, you know? Um, you mean, so, it, when you say cons, you mean uh, kind of accusations leveled against yes, pregnancy yes. centers? Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, cause on my paper, I wrote pros and cons, but yeah, like, <laughs> like, what, what I don't it? want anyone to think that they're like, you know, here's the list of the few good things that pregnancy centers do, but here's the really <laughs> long list. No, of no. Cons. Yeah. Like, that was, yeah. That was not only, not only worded. my show, Jason, but you're now spreading disinformation. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, yeah. because 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 what you're saying, Mark, is definitely I definitely want to get into. But yeah, but before we get into it, I, I would think let, let's say what pregnancy pregnancy centers are and what mm -hmm. they provide and the good that they provide. Great idea. Women. Great yeah, idea. So, so first, I just want to give some background for anyone who's not familiar with me or my work. Um, I worked for Students for Life of America for a year and I coordinated a five state area, the north, the the northern region for students for life of america so i was coordinating north dakota south dakota minnesota wisconsin and iowa and what i was doing at that time as a um, regional coordinator for sfla i was going to college campuses and high schools and creating student groups doing advocacy um, having conversations on college campuses with people who are rapidly pro-abortion using displays all that good stuff training up the next generation of pro-life leaders um, and then from there, I transitioned into a position for two years as an executive director of a local pregnancy medical center. Um, and, and so the re there, there are two reasons I'm sharing that much with you, because um, then afterwards, as you guys know, I, I left and went to LifeSite News and, and did development work for them. But those two things, actually, they went together very well because... When I was doing outreach at SFLA for SFLA on college campuses, often talking with the atheists or people who are just really pro-choice, pro-abortion, um, often I could get them to a place where they would agree with me that pregnancy centers were good, even if they disagreed with me on abortion. But on a college campus, being able to have conversations with people, even tough conversations, Often, I remember being at Iowa State University and having an entire group of, of uh, atheists who were counter-protesting our display. I got them all to agree that pregnancy centers were a good thing and that maybe they should start volunteering at one. Um, it was incredible. Wow. So it's really important that we, when we're talking about this issue, we talk about it with less of the hy hyperbole that is kind of out there because the loudest voices get the most attention, but the reality is, is that there are more people in the middle than we realize. Um, I'm not going to say, I think things are more polarized maybe now, even than they were five, six, seven years ago when I was doing that kind of work. Uh, but it's still, there's still enough people willing to, to engage. I would like to think and have honest <laughs> conversations about it. And that's why I actually don't think that this issue for Democrats is going to be a winning issue for them come November. Um, I think it's not <laughs> being dishonest about all of this stuff, it's, it's not actually going to rally their base the way that they think it will. It's just the only thing that they have right now in their, in their favor, in their minds. So anyway, that's why I think it's really important because I think when you start talking, people are pro-choice and they actually understand what a pregnancy center does and what they don't do. They're so much more inclined to support what we're saying, because as you were kind of alluding to Mark, it's crazy that they, it's like they always say, you guys don't do enough. You're not really pro-life. You're pro-birth. How come you're not doing anything to support women? And you're like, you do all the things to support women. And they're like, 
That's, that's bad. wrong. Yeah, you can't you're do dangerous. that. You're <laughs> dangerous. If abortions aren't safe, you aren't either. That's what they were like vandalizing all these pregnancy centers with. Jane's Revenge, this group that came together after the Dobbs decision came oh, down. Yeah. And they were, they were still, I don't know if the, when the last time there was some vandalism, but several pregnancy centers. If abortions aren't safe, you aren't either. And like, that just literally makes no sense. But it's like you can't win either way. You can do all the things and they're still, they're going to say, you're still not doing enough. Hey, or you're, damned you're dangerous. If you do, damned if you don't. You're, exactly. So anyway, I just wanted to point that out because the reality is, is that people who are pro-choice, who who really understand what pregnancy centers do, they can often say, you know what, that's actually a really good thing. And if they really are pro-choice and pro-informed consent, <clears throat> they would be very much in favor of women having choices. Um, so pregnancy centers, you talk about crisis pregnancy centers, that actually is really dated language. And I know that People on the left use it a lot, but people who are actually working in the pro-life field don't refer to them as crisis pregnancy centers anymore. Oh, okay. Oh. What are they calling okay. now? So most of them would be called like a pregnancy center or even a pregnancy medical center. A lot of them have medical services. So the pregnancy center that I ran um, at the time we were used, we were able to provide obstetrical ultrasounds. They were limited in scope somewhat. Um, you know, you're not doing diagnostics, you know, all that stuff that you would get at like a 20 week ultrasound, for example. Um, but they were able to, <laughs> they were able to die, figure out how far along you were, if, you know, all that stuff. Um, we had STD testing for, and, and treatment for like the most primary STDs, free pregnancy testing. All of our services were free. Um, an earn while you learn program. So parent new moms could learn about parenting, which for goodness sake, how many of us would have benefited from something like that? <laughs> He's like, yeah. Most parents don't get that much <laughs> education to begin with anyway. And they're, nobody's worried about it. <laughs> yeah, I would have sure. benefited from those classes. They can earn points and go spend them in a baby boutique. They had, we had tons of like diapers, wipes, formula, clothes. Um, I, pack and plays all kinds of stuff like literally pretty much anything and everything you could possibly need and they could earn points for it a lot of the time if they needed something we would let them have you know what i mean like we're not gonna sure. is, is, nickel it, and dime them so is all of this is all this strictly uh donor funded like like everything the, the mine was do? our center was 100 donor funded um we actually were very intentional about that. I didn't want the government and, and my board didn't either. We didn't want any ties to the government whatsoever. Um, but there were there are centers that get something, at least in Minnesota, called the Positive Alternatives Grant. So that was another thing that was really interesting about our um, AG declaring that, you know, we needed to have consumer warning labels on crisis pregnancy centers because I wanted to say, so have you guys been like funding terrorist organizations in the state or like, how do you, how do you reconcile the fact that you guys have been giving positive alternative grants to these very dangerous centers? Um, and now even the pregnancy center that I was involved in, they're expanding like, like huge remodel right now. Um, they have life coaching on top of all the other services. They've had a maternity boutique when I was there. We'd give moms like free clothes and all kinds of stuff, things to pamper them. Um, and even lactation consulting, free lactation consulting, like tons of resources. And they work with the county. The county was always referring clients to our center. And now it's like off the charts. They have had the just the most incredible growth 
at our pregnancy center. So kind of like what you were describing at the night's meeting when they were saying that there's so much work that needs to be done. You have so many more women seeking out these services. It's the same yeah. thing here. And we, we are now the abortion capital of the Midwest. Mm. Wow. So, wow. so, and that's the thing is like, there are a lot of centers doing all this work and all of the, all the staff, all the, ones doing medical services are licensed so we the center i was at was is operating under an ob a licensed ob gin he comes in and does a lot of the ultrasounds and and prenatal type stuff with our clients but they did have um people who were doing sonography there rns that are there licensed lpns a licensed um lactation consultants like these are people who are licensed <laughs> and an abortion facility like Planned Parenthood. We have one of the largest Planned Parenthoods in the entire nation in St. Paul. It actually might be, it's, I think it's a, the third biggest facility, but it might be the highest volume of clients. Um, and they are not inspected at all by the state. And they're the ones performing invasive procedures on women. We'll see reading reading the news and stuff like that, you would think it was completely opposite because that was going to be one of my questions about pregnancy centers is, you know, if you were, if you were wanting to start one, what is typically required because the uh, AMA uh, journal of ethics, or I guess the American medical association journal of ethics, you know, one of the things they came out and said in one of their articles was our pregnancy centers, legal and it all of a sudden it said that that question is tricky because they're not licensed anybody can abortion do it. clinics are not licensed or inspected so in fact so, yeah. our attorney general just recently there was a judge here um i believe dakota county judge so closer to the cities but he just overturned all of our pro-life laws on the books except for our fetal disposal law so everything from um like doctors being the ones required to perform abortions, um, notification, parental notification laws, informed consent laws, um, a 24 hour waiting period, all of these things gone. Um, so you could be a 14 year old girl having been raped or pimped out and, um, you don't have to notify your parents that you are seeking an abortion anymore. Now you can go and get an abortion and your parents will never know that you have been mm. raped. Um, all it's just it's so atrocious it it aids and abets people who are traffickers trafficking i mean that's good point that's, first thing uh, i thought of is well exactly. that's a win for the trafficker it is 100% and and there's uh, this is <laughs> what's up there's, sir yeah. i saw i see you back yeah. there i see yeah. you back there <laughs> john, john go okay go that bed. kid rules that kid rules <laughs> i love that kid but <laughs> but yeah mark i mean let's get if if you want we can get back to i guess your question cuz I feel kind of bad interrupting you, but I, I just wanted to kind of set the base of no, what pregnancy fine. centers were. And they do and, a lot of stuff. A lot of them will even offer adoption yeah. services or work with um, social workers. And like, that's not uncommon, or at least they'll, they'll have connections with other, um, with other organizations that do, and they'll continue to walk alongside these women during their pregnancies, offering care and support. And, and yeah, it's like, why wouldn't you want this stuff available to women? Why are you trying to shut these down? Especially like in Minnesota, our clinics outnumber abortion facilities 11 to one. So you shut down all these pregnancy centers. And I'm not saying that they're all offering the same services. Some are offering more, some are offering less, but you are taking away a woman's option to choose. You are cornering her into an abortion. 
by denying her the opportunity. I mean, all these centers too, they're offering individualized referrals and helping these women find jobs and working with the county so they can get assistance if they need financial assistance. I mean, it's, they're doing incredible work. They're doing, they're filling the gaps that most organizations are not able to do. Um, Planned Parenthood, I can assure you, is not offering any prenatal care at most, at almost 99.9% of their facilities. They're not they, interested in that. They don't offer prenatal care. Um, almost 100% of the time, they're not offering cancer screenings the way people think that they're offering cancer screenings. They don't offer mammograms. Like that lie, <laughs> just it drives me crazy. People think that they offer mammograms. They do not. That is not a service they provide. Um, so all, all of the quote-unquote health care that is supposedly offered by organizations like Planned Parenthood, it's, it's a total lie. They, what most people don't know is that about 50% of their profits come from abortion services. Even though abortion services are only 3% of what they do, it's almost half of their income. That's crazy. So, of course, they have a lot to lose by reducing abortion services. Mm-hmm. You don't get pregnancy centers. They're not, they're not earning a dollar off these women. They're yeah. not, they're not making any money. And yet they're the, they're somehow villainized because they, they're offering a whole range of services to help the women who are choosing life. So shutting them down is basically completely opposite of what pro-choice would be. Supposedly. Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I think at the time, I don't know what the statistics are now, but at the time, um, and you should look this up at some point, but the ratio of adoption referrals to abortion services, it's absolutely incredible. Like, f- I think it used to be like four adoption referrals for every 193 abortion services or something. It was outrageous. Um, and, and, you know, like I have a, one of my sister-in-laws, she found out she was pregnant when she was in college and she only knew about Planned Parenthood. And I mean, well, what does Planned Parenthood do? They, they help Planned Parenthood, right? So she went there with no, she knew she didn't want to have an abortion. Um, and they confirmed that she was pregnant with my nephew. And they were insistent that she really reconsider, that she really, she seemed really emotional. Maybe, maybe you really need to think about getting an abortion. She actually literally ran out of there. Like, because she kept telling them, no, I don't want an abortion. Do you, do you have anything else? And she somehow found her way to a pregnancy center and they sat down with her and they prayed with her and like, just let her know that she was okay. And that was, that was like all she needed at the time. You know, she wasn't even seeking any of these other services. And and you just look at, well, how many other, other women have been coerced into an abortion? Like my sister-in-law. Do you You'll find, do you find and have you found in your work that you've done? Because it sounds to me like if I, I can, I can try to imagine myself in one of, in, in the shoes of one of these women. And it's like, I just need a little hope. Yeah. Is there any oh, place yeah. I can go to get some freaking hope? Mm-hmm. Is there any hope left, you know? And it's like, if you, you, you go there and you, and you, there are people who want to help you with, uh, with prenatal care. There are people who want to give you parenting classes. There are people who can give you resources to diapers, to baby formula, to, and it's like everything, you know, I don't know. Do you find that, that, that hope transforms a lot of young women's lives? I mean, it seems like yeah. it would. Yeah. So, so if you look at the, the article that I sent you beforehand, um, back when I was directing the pregnancy center, there every year there's this exposed fake clinics campaign that goes on annually. And what happens is they often will send plants into uh, 
pre- pro-life pregnancy centers to try and like show how they're manipulating women and whatever and they they'll do reports and then they'll they'll post fake reviews all over yelp and google and do all this stuff to try and mess with them with the organization's seo so people can't find them kind of like one of the one of the side effects of our attorney general labeling uh putting a consumer warning label on pregnancy centers was that organization companies like yelp and google were um making it almost impossible for people to find pregnancy centers. <laughs> what does that even mean? Consumer a consumer uh, warning. Yeah. Warning on, on a, on an organization, on an organization. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, what, what does that I even know. mean? You just got to let them know that they're dangerous. I think that's the best you could do at the time. Um, but don't worry. We've, we've got stuff in the works about that because it seems right, pretty obvious. He is colluding with some of, with this organization called gender justice and gender justice was actually the one that, um, brought forth the lawsuit to overturn all of our pro-life laws. He didn't do anything about it. He waited until the last minute and pretended like he brought counter evidence to protect our laws. He didn't. And now he's citing them in in their quote unquote research when he put the consumer warning out. Um, so it's pretty obvious he's colluding with these organizations and not doing his job as an attorney general. But anyway. We, we just announced a, a lawsuit that has been filed against him. Good. Um, so anyway, yeah. Gosh, where were we? Well, I, 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 I wanted to get into the source of the, of the, of, of all the animus here because I, oh, yeah. I would, oh, I would yeah. think this no. would be the one thing we yes. could all come together. Come and together on for I, sure. And, and then, so, okay. I was, have that, that so. You think wrong. Yeah. The, that article <laughs> that I sent you, you see this woman, she actually came into our center and she was, She's pro-choice. Um, and she wanted to know what her options were. And so our staff sat, sat down with her and talked about all of her options, what we had, what was available to her. She thought the exposed fake clinics campaign was, was like a joke because she was pro-choice and like genuinely believed that people could have choices. <laughs> and uh, she didn't understand why so many people were trying to expose fake clinics because she had received such excellent care. In fact, she had moved out of state and whenever she came back to Minnesota, she would come visit us and show us how, how her daughter was growing. Wow. You know, like she just loved our stuff and, and she wasn't a Christian. She was not, <laughs> Hey God, um, <laughs> this is the night of cameos. Okay, yeah. cameos. Um, but yeah, I mean, so it's like, if she really felt that way, if she felt like we were robbing her of her options or, um, we're somehow manipulating her into keeping her child. Why would she keep coming back years later to, to say hi and to thank us? And why would she sit down with me to do this little video talking about the care that she re- received at our center? It's because she knew it was such a lie. Like she wanted to do something about it and she wanted to speak out against this, this campaign. So, um, I think when women know that they actually have options, because that's a, that's another part of this whole thing too. Like, you see so often that people who are pro-choice don't want women to have informed consent. You see it with this whole vaccine stuff. You're not allowed to ask questions about yeah. anything. And, yeah. and when these women start, start realizing that they do have 
resources, that there are things out there available to them that they can utilize and that there are, there are organizations willing to help. It doesn't help big abortions bottom line. And so what they're going to do is they're going to make sure that women aren't told about fetal development when they go in for that appointment. Um, they're going to say no informed consent. You don't need to know what your baby is doing at, at six weeks of development at eight or 10 or 12 weeks of development. We're not going to tell you any of that. You don't need to look at the ultrasound when you, when you, come in for your ultrasound appointment to determine what type of an abortion procedure we're going to perform. That is just so, so evil to me because it's, it's like they, they are basically admitting to the truth. They just don't want you to know that truth. They don't want you to know it. And, and so then when women, they really believe that there's like nothing out there because that's what they've been told over and over and over again. There, there's not, there's no one there to help you. You are on your own. And, and that's what Planned Parenthood tells them. If you choose life, you're on your own. We're not going to provide prenatal care for you. We're not going to help you choose life for your child. We're not going to provide you any material assistance. But if you want an abortion, you can come back. Or if you want birth control, you can come back. Or if you want hormone therapy, you can come back. Um, and they tell you all that is there's no there's no after effect of it is what they tell you. Yeah. Well. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And and I don't know how familiar you guys are with Rachel's Vineyard and their work, but um post-abortion syndrome is real and abortion regret is also very real, especially when a woman, when the, when the scales come off of her eyes and she realizes like what she did and that can happen. It's not uncommon for that to happen after a woman gets pregnant again later on. And it's often not that uncommon because after a woman has an abortion, a lot of these women will spiral and they'll just go into heavy drinking and drug use. Often they'll get pregnant again. And it's this psychological phenomenon where they're almost trying to replace the baby that they killed. Yeah. And so it's, I think it's upwards of 50% of women who have one abortion will go on to have at least one more for this reason. Often it's when they're spiraling, they get pregnant again and then they get scared again, or the woman will subconsciously get pregnant and, and act as if like, this is her chance to redeem herself. Um, and so it's just this really unhealthy thing because I mean, of course you are a part of you dies when your child dies. It's just, yeah. that's, that's how it is, whether it's wanted or unwanted, a part of you, but imagine you inflicted that you hired a hitman right. to, mm -hmm. to take out your child. Um, the amount of grief and guilt I think for a lot of women is, is unbearable and because they, they were told a lie and they believed it. Um, even though it was so contrary to their nature. Well, if we do, look at do pregnancy, sorry, Mark, do, do pregnancy centers offer any services to these women who are having these after effects of an abortion? Cause I know Planned Parenthood probably doesn't, no, but do these pregnancy no. centers offer them services? I think some pregnancy centers do, but uh, often you really need um, people who are super familiar with that work. And so that's why I rec recommend organizations like Rachel's Vineyard. They're all over the country um, and they do retreats. It's usually like a weekend long retreat and they have support groups. Uh, I remember being invited to join in for one. I was just a few weeks pregnant with my oldest daughter actually. And a Franciscan brother, I believe he invited me to be his support person because he had discovered that he was the sibling of an aborted child. And that really weighed heavily on him. So even though he himself hadn't had an abortion, he found out his mom had, and, and that was really difficult for him to process. So he went and did this Rachel's Vineyard retreat. And on the last day, they write letters to their children that were aborted. And so I sat in a chapel and watched people 
mostly young women, but even older women, couples. I remember one couple, um, it was 30 years after their abortion and they were reading letters to their children that they had killed. And I just remember thinking like, I have this new life in me and I just can't even, my brain can't comprehend the, what's happening in front of me and just seeing the guilt, um, that these, these people had for decades, decades afterwards. Um, it was really moving, but devastating. Well, I, remember- I, I, I've done a lot of research to try and find out about uh, post-abortion PTSD, basically, and, and, and things like that. There is a lot of misleading information. And basically, if you search the internet, one of the things you'll come to the conclusion of is that this doesn't really exist, but yeah, they don't want you to, but here's my, here's my problem with that. Look at what we know about, about soldiers who come back from combat. Okay. And those are lawful killings. It's still horrible, right? War is still, war is still a result of sin and, and sin's presence in the world. But even according to our catechism, that, uh, that is a a lawful killing. Okay. But they come back and they need years of therapy of, of uh, psychological help because it, it is something in our nature that when we see an, or, or cause the death of another human being, something's wounded in us. Yeah. It, it just is inescapable. And there's no way you can convince me. Yeah. But if a mother does that to her unborn child, there's nothing. Yeah. I don't, that doesn't make any sense. Well, that, here's like a really interesting fact. So there's this, there's this phenomenon called micro shimmerism. Have you ever heard of it? I've not. Mm. So it's this phenomenon that occurs when a woman gets pregnant with her child, they actually exchange cells. And so for decades after a woman is pregnant, she can still retain cells from her children that she had within her womb. Um, so like her body is physiologically responding to that child. And often uh, those, some people have, I've said, I've heard people say that it, for the rest of your life, you'll have parts of your baby cells living within you. Mm. Um, and some will say it's not quite that long, but it will exist for a very long time. But even with your children, you, sh- you pass that back and forth. So your children will have some of your cells as well um, as the mother. And I think that just really speaks to God's design, this, how, integrated (laughs) the mother and and child really are in that relationship that bond um it never goes away and so even if that child is aborted that that child is literally still a part of her you won't ever take that away and so even if she's not consciously aware of that her body will still know because our bodies experience a different knowledge like sometimes your body is in pain and you don't even notice it until you go to the chiropractor and someone's like pressing on your body and you're like oh my gosh conscious of this pain all of a sudden Um, didn't realize it was there but your body is expressing it all the time whether you realize it or you just become accustomed to it right Mm. um and so on that's on a physiological level and then on a biological level that's true as well i mean there are layers there so um and then that of course is going to have an impact on on the brain as well well the you know that kind of goes along the lines of the lie that that is always told that you know by pro-choice people that the infant or the the fetus i should say in your womb is just a leech sucking mm-hmm. sucking all your your nutrients using your organs etc cetera, etc cetera. when we know scientifically and biologically that the baby actually provides a lot of health benefits to the mother oh yeah it's not it's not just a take relationship it's a give and take 
Yeah, that's very true. I mean, they often share cells to help heal things faster within the mother's body and, and vice versa. Yep. That's, that's very true. And too, um, I mean, a, a, apart from it just being obviously ridiculous because of the nature of, of <laughs> procreation. Um, yeah. but two, why would me as a female mammal, <laughs> what is a woman, but why would my body naturally create another organ to sustain the life of a parasite? Yeah. Like yeah. that's what the placenta is. You don't, you're not just growing a baby. You're actually growing an, an organ as well. And that organ's sole purpose is to nourish that child. And the second that child's out of you, so is that organ. You don't need it anymore. Well, so if, if, but if, I mean, the, 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 the bigger problem with that is if the baby is a parasite, then so is the pro-choicer by definition. I mean, right. yeah. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> no, there's no escape from that. I don't know where, I don't know why these people think they're a completely different species, but I kind of, I kind of wanted to transition to a, to another, I guess, controversy among, um, pregnancy centers I love controversy. <laughs> because we've talked about the in a way the, dis the distributive justice you know right because i one of the criticisms of pregnancy centers that you'll see online is well they violate distributive justice because they don't and we've already discussed how really you know your planned parenthoods and stuff like that are the ones that really violate distributive justice and then you know like planned parenthood you know one of their articles says that they'll try to trick or lie women how far along they are so they can't get an abortion. But right Planned after it does that too, but they do it so that they can pay, make them pay more for a, a more, uh, for a further along abortion. Yeah. Well, know? well then, but then right after that in the article, it mentioned the, the, the topic that I found quite, quite interesting, I guess is they says that these pregnancy centers target low income and people of color. <laughs> by 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 tricking them and and it's almost insulting the way they they phrase it because it's saying you're telling me that you're saying that people of low income and people of color are so stupid that they can't differentiate what is an abortion and what isn't you know what constitutes an abortion like like it's to me if i'm if i'm in one of those groups i'm insulted by reading that the stupidity of everybody who didn't go to Harvard is a cornerstone of American liberalism on this issue and every other issue. You didn't go to Harvard. You have, you, you're a slack jawed moron who doesn't know how it got to be day outside, but that's okay. I'm here to do all your thinking for you. You're welcome. Aren't I wonderful? But, and that's, but, that's, that's basically all it is. I mean, but, 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 but it's almost like this argument is projection, right? Because we know I mean, I mean, we can see statistically and even at its founding with Planned Parenthood that it was racist in its nature. So so it, it, it's like they're projecting this because, uh, I mean, Angela, correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't a lot of these Planned Parenthoods and other abortion centers predominantly in low income yes. neighborhoods and neighborhoods of people of color? Yes. And colleges here. But yeah, I mean, obviously, Margaret Sanger was a she was a huge racist and that's why she promoted uh, birth control and population control. She was a huge proponent of that. You look at the connections she had with like 
the Rockefellers and all these big companies. What he, I mean, she spoke at clans meetings. <laughs> she was not. She supported eugenics. She, didn't support, she Yes, yes, she absolutely supported eugenics. She wanted to eliminate the so-called weeds of society, which was her reference to minority communities as well as um, those who had disabilities. She was not. Um, she would laugh at, at the left today. I mean, because it was just so not her intention. It was mm. not her intention to necessarily empower women, although it did kind of take on that that ethos later on. But really, she wanted to get rid of these communities. Um, and that's why in New York, more children are aborted than are born alive. Really? If you go to New York City, yes, which is where, she, where Planned Parenthood first opened up, more children are aborted than are born alive. Yeah. Wow. I, mean, I should say more African-American children are aborted than born alive in New York City. Yikes. Yeah. Why do you think today, because so many people espouse anti, that they're anti-racist, like they go out of their way to show that they are the it's most the anti-racist spin. people. Yeah. yeah it, it, they're the, the pinnacle of somebody that's anti-racist. Why do you think that, or what's the purpose of them still targeting these communities heavily? Is it is it just money? Is it is it still a, a racism that is is within the organization? I mean, what what do you think causes them to target these communities? Yeah, I think it goes to a few things. Gosh, yeah, it's like on a really human level. I think these people think they're doing good work. Like people on the low rung of it, right? Like the people that you actually are seeing in Planned Parenthood, uh, the desk worker, the nurses that may or may not be there, the people who are like on the low part of it. I think they really believe that they're doing good work because they've bought the lie too. Mm -hmm. They're all, everyone's in this lie together. It's like, um, oh, that movie with the guy who's on a, on a TV set. What movie is that? And he doesn't know it. Oh, Truman. Oh yeah. Truman. Truman. Yeah. Truman. It's like that. Everyone's on this movie set. Okay. And they really think that that's what's going on, but there are really key players behind that are kind of contriving all these issues. Right. And so the people that are behind the scenes kind of forcing this chaos on women, making them believe that this is reality. Right. And it's just so far from right. That's why you can't have people on the outside coming in and telling people about the truth. You can't have true informed consent because that would burst the bubble. So are you familiar with the historian Stephen Kotkin? He, he writes know. extensively about like the Soviet Union and Soviet history and things like that. And he wrote uh, he, he wrote a three volume work on the life of Joseph Stalin that was just exhausted and, and very well researched and everything like that. And he was asked one time, what, what is it that made Stalin such a murderous despot? Is it, be, is it, was it uh, because he was just a craven, power-hungry uh, person? He knew he wanted to be a dictator from the time he was a kid. He, he was abused as a kid, and that sort of manifests itself. And Stephen Kotkin said, no, it's because he was a committed communist. He was a true believer. Joseph mm -hmm. Stalin was a true believer in communism. Yeah. And there's nothing more dangerous than a person who is going to save the world. Yes. And that's the next component. As I was going to say, um, there is kind of the savior complex. And so, yes, you see it amongst white liberal women all the time that they are the savior of everyone else. You saw it in COVID, like the virtue yeah. signaling with the masks. I mean, it's right. like and then if you weren't wearing your mask, you were some sort of 
heathen, like trying to kill people. You saw the white liberal women screaming at people in, in the grocery store because they're trying to kill everybody. If you're not doing your part by wearing the mask, you're actively killing people. Right. right. So they bought the, the big lie. But the abortion big lie is kind of like this. But the people high up, they know there's a lot of money to be made in abortion. Plus, it feeds their end on climate change, population control, um, and also it keeps minority communities impoverished. They don't want these communities. They don't want these women to actually realize that they have resources available to them um, and, that, and make them realize that they don't have to live their lives in poverty. Because what happens off, not often, but often enough is I think when a lot of us are pushed to the wall, we will do whatever it takes for our children, right? And so because there's more at stake, you see it with um, women who are in domestic violence situations. I'm sure you've maybe seen it too before, Mark, but like these women it's not that they're going to get out of a violent situation if it's by themselves, but if their children are seriously at risk, that's usually the impetus. If you talk to women who finally leave abusive relationships, the impetus for why they left was because they didn't want their children to be harmed. Um, we'll do almost anything for our children. And, and same with these women who are impoverished. Yeah, you might have the women who may stay in the cycle of poverty, but a lot of these women won't. And they're going to be right. less, man you're not going to be able to manipulate them as much either. And two, then they would, these women would realize that there actually are resources <laughs> available to them. And then they can't continue on in this cycle of taking advantage of these poor women, um, keeping them. Because the thing about that no one ever talks about when you talk about, you know, women who are impoverished needing abortion. Well, sure, they get, let's say they get the abortion. They still leave the clinic in poverty. Right. They're not doing mm -hmm. anything to help these women out of poverty. Not a single thing. But you bring a woman to a pregnancy center, they're going to help her keep her child, and they're going to help her find ways out of poverty. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, I don't ever see people that are actually talking about that if, unless they're pro-life. So, um, yeah, I think I think the people higher up know there's a lot of money to be made, and I think it, it works towards their end of population population control. I don't I don't know if it's still the case, but I know years ago, just just from the government side, that if you were a single a young single mother, that you could a lot of times get a lot of, if not all of your a college education paid for or even even some of these work training programs. So yeah. I don't you know, and I'm sure the pregnancy centers provide all that information, but I. But I it's doubt these abortion clinics do because it's not in their interest. Right. And th so there's this episode I did on my podcast with a woman named Beth Rahal. She's like the queen of knowing all things pregnancy resource related, basically. Um, but a lot of people don't understand that Title IX actually applies to pregnant women as well. Um, people know about it more so for like rights of minorities and all these other things. But actually pregnant women, pregnant and parenting moms are also included on the entitlements under title nine. So they cannot be discriminated against for missing class. If their child was sick, for example, um, all of these other things that come into parenting, they cannot be discriminated against for. So, I mean, it's ridiculous. You see stories of women who are in labor, college students, and they're like taking their final exams while they're in labor. Absolutely not. That's not okay. They act like, um, like this is praiseworthy and it's really not like, Sure. Good for her that she did that. I'm glad that that worked out for her, but no woman should actually ever feel like she has to do that because she would, she's afraid of being at risk of losing her grade or having to retake a class. 
And the reality is that she's not at risk for that. And if a school ever told her she was, she could appeal that or sue them into oblivion because they would be discriminating against her. Um, And 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 that's women don't understand their own rights either. So it's not just the resources aspect, but they don't understand their own rights. And and when it comes to work or when it comes to obtaining a higher level education or even lower level in high school, what have you. Um, And and that's that's a barrier too. there is this this knowledge barrier. But again, we want to keep we we want these people to uh, not we but you know people on the left people who are pro-abortion it's it's very convenient for them that everyone is very low information and that there is no informed consent yeah yeah there's this really great documentary called hush and it's actually put together by a pro-choice um journalist and she went into researching the abortion issue and contraception especially And what she found was that even though she's pro-choice and pro-contraception, she did feel like uh, there was a lot of obfuscation going on. There was a lot of hiding from people who are pro-abortion, pro-contraception, and they weren't allowing people to make truly informed decisions about their bodies. And it's just such an interesting documentary. I definitely encourage people to go look that one up um, because you just see so clearly how often uh, people were not getting full information before they got on birth control. They weren't, uh, you know, told about the risks of that. And the same thing goes in the abortion industry as well. So. Yeah. And that goes back to the same people who are going to change the world is that the truth is that if the truth gets in the way of my messianic mission, then the truth is the truth has to go for the, for what is called the greater good, the greater good. Well, here's the thing. Jesus Christ said that I am the way, the truth and the life. So that means there is no greater good than the truth, Mm -hmm. period, because that would mean there was a greater good than Jesus Christ, which is nonsense. That doesn't make any sense at all. Mm -hmm. And uh, you people have a right to the truth, however, and whatever that is, people have a right to the truth. You know, it it might be very inconvenient, especially to people who are in power. Truth often is. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, 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 to power institutions and, and power structures, but nonetheless, people have a right to the truth. You have no right. You have no right to stand in between someone and the truth mm-hmm. period. And I, I think that's something that as a society, we better start wrapping our heads around, or we really don't have a right to pass judgment on people like Joseph Stalin or the, or the pro aborts, because, you know, truth is important. Yeah. And that's why I do think it's important. It's really easy to castigate people who are pro-abortion and I do it too. I mean, if I'm being totally honest, sometimes I just think, oh my gosh, this is so unthinking and ridiculous because so much of it is like genuinely stupid. It's really stupid in in the truest sense of the word, (laughs) but they really have bought into it. And so there's this, you know, it, it is a blind faith. It's, yeah. it's a faith of their, they've made an idol of abortion. It is sacred to them and they will blindly follow this. This is their sacrament. And, you know, for us, the, our, the, the Eucharist is the source and summit of the Christian life. It is, it is where we live and have our being um, in this world. And abortion really is the anti-sacrament. Yeah. Um, that, that's why mm-hmm. it's like you, when we approach this issue, we have to approach it with that mindset of understanding this is their own faith in a way. I mean, I believe Na- even Nancy Pelosi has referred to abortion being sacred, um, you know, and it's disgusting. 
it's really disgusting. Yeah. But if you put yourself in their shoes and you really, if you were really that person who believed that this is the way, this is the salvation that these women have uh, to, to achieving their dreams and their goals, because this is how, how you've been indoctrinated. Um, you can see why they would be so vitriolic, even though it defies common sense. It defies natural law. It defies um, like every part of our humanity. Uh, but they don't see that because they're so disconnected. You know, yeah. they're, they're, they're so disintegrated. Um, mm. So it's really important to have compassion on, on those people, even though sometimes it's really hard and sometimes they're not very kind. Well, you know, I, I find myself having more compassion or sympathy for, like you mentioned earlier, for the people that are on the lower levels, because, you know, I mean, we're all susceptible to deception if we're not careful, right? Absolutely. It, it's the higher ups and those in power that I have the complete disgust for. And, you know, I know people will say it's your statement right there about, well, I could say the same thing about you as a Catholic, as far as, um, you know, you're, you're being drawn into this cause it's your sacrament and you're just blindly following and whatnot. But, the, but, but I was thinking as you were saying that, but here's the difference. How many times have Catholics tried to leave the faith? But because they were open to the truth, it drew them back in. How many converts, like myself included, who wanted to have nothing to do with Catholicism, but were open to the truth, that it drew you into that? Now, compare that to the abortion industry, right? It seems like when people are open to the reality and the truth of what abortion is, they're never drawn into it unless they're just a truly wicked person, but your lower level people that your your normal everyday people, I don't ever see these cases of, Oh, okay. What's killing a baby. Okay. Well, I want to be drawn into it. And because when you talk to them, they have to, they have to disengage what the reality is by, well, it's not really a human. It's not really this. It's not really that. But once they realize it's a human, they don't, they're not drawn back into it. So that would be the difference in saying, well, you Catholics are guilty of the, of the same blind faith. No, we're not, because one draws you in when you're open to the truth. The other pushes you away when you're open to the truth. Yeah, and I think to add to that, um, you know, our faith is not fear-based. And I think often when you talk about abortion or other things of that nature, um, people are drawn in by fear. It's like I always say – you know, take childbirth, for example. Um, a lot of women will make decisions when they're in labor because they're told something that's not true and they're being coerced into and cornered into certain decisions um, on low information. And they're in, it's a very stressful time. You're operating in your most primitive mode because uh, it's labor. Like you're not supposed to be taking an extra information. And the same thing too, like when women are, are seeking abortions, I think this is another really important thing to keep in mind is that these women, they real if their brain is really perceiving a crisis, their frontal lobe is totally not working. So their capacity for rationality and reason is not operating. They're operating in the primitive modes, which is fight, flight, or freeze. And so when they're going in for that abortion, um, you can't rationalize with them why they shouldn't be going and getting that abortion. <laughs> You just can't. What you need to be doing is minimizing the threat 
the the perceived threat so that you can talk to them on a level when they're in a in a regulated state and their brains can function and and to a lot of these women who are rapidly pro abortion they are post abortive so they have to justify and rationalize the decisions that they've made mm-hmm. too um and again talk about the PTSD i mean i always think i i i wonder how many of these women are having flashbacks you know and how often that's occurring how you know it's like I think about the trauma of having experienced a miscarriage and like September is a really tough month for me to September would have been the um, time that our second child would have been born. Um, And I, I I feel it in my bones. Like every September I feel it, whether I'm consciously aware of it or not. And then it usually takes me a while. Like, Oh, we're coming up on this anniversary. And so you can't tell me the same thing's not happening for women who are, who are post abortive, you know? So it's just, there's so many factors going on. We have to remember just the human side of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a decision rooted in fear. That is a faith rooted in fear. And our faith as Catholics is not rooted in fear. It's rooted in joy and triumph and redemption. Um, and, and in the precious blood of our Lord, which, which has, redeemed us and freedom freedom. you know like those are the that's why that's different that's true you want to know like beauty i tell people if you want to know if something is is from god or if it's from satan it's actually pretty simple satan forces and god does not and if you want proof of that look at how much easier it is to quit going to church than it is to quit doing cocaine I mean, that it, it, plain and simple, these things are called vices for a reason, because once yeah. it grabs you, it ain't going to let you go. And God, God is about your freedom. God wants you to freely love and accept him. So the more information, the more truth you have access to, the better. Yeah. Whereas if and you want to manipulate, sure. And if you, you want to manipulate somebody. And you want to make them do something that if they knew what was really going on, they wouldn't. That's a type of force, mm-hmm. right? That's a lot. It is a coercion. Well, yeah. It's a coercion. It, it's all, you know, I, I always use the example when people say, why did God give Adam and Eve a choice in the garden? Why didn't he just take, take the temptation away and they could live in eternal bliss, right? Because I always view it as uh, it's not true love if you don't have a choice. If I'm, if God or, or, or somebody tries to force you to love them, that's not a true unconditional devoted love. Whereas in the garden at Eve with the choice they had, the one, the one thing they couldn't do, God gave them a choice. You can either basically, it's not eat or don't eat. It's do you love me or do you not love me? Do you trust me or don't you trust me? Do you want to be with me? Don't you want to be with me? And they made the choice to say at this moment in time, I love myself more than I do you. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, so our, 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 our faith is a faith of love because God is, is love itself. And if we don't have that free will and that freedom that we get in Jesus Christ, well, then is it really true love? You know? And I think too, you know, going off of that, I think it would be really easy for someone to say that, well, we're, we're just making excuses for these women who are choosing abortion, trying to, um, pretend like there's no culpability involved. And that's just not true. That's not at all what I'm saying. I just think we have to be compassionate. Um, we all, we are all culpable of sin and sometimes we have a higher degree of knowledge than others. And, and that culpability is on a scale. There's a sliding sure. scale. But when it comes to something that is absolutely contrary to our nature and, and can be discerned uh, just 
through observation, I think we all know that it's a grave moral evil, whether we want to intellectualize it or not. But the human component is just being compassionate, understanding that these people have really been, been they bought, they've bought this lie and they don't know the resources that are available to them. That's why it's really important that we are getting involved in our pregnancy centers. Knights of Columbus, you guys do a great job providing ultrasounds for pregnancy centers across the country. You guys have provided like thousands of free ultrasound machines to pregnancy centers around the country. Um, and we need to be doing more work like that, um, especially at a time when there is so much animosity towards the work that these centers are doing. You need to be supporting them um, and make sure you're getting involved some way, somehow. Angela, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show um, and definitely check out Angela's uh, uh, channel integrated with, with Angela Erickson uh, on there. She's on YouTube and I, you're also on the audio platforms as well. Correct. Yep. Uh, almost every one. I, there might be some that I'm not on, but every major one for sure. Where can people, where, what's a good place people or, or resource people can go to or look up on the internet or contact to get involved in their local uh, pregnancy resource centers. Yeah. I mean, so first I would just Google it um, okay. if they're not blocking that information, but also if you're wanting more, um, I would check out alayresources.com. I believe um, they have an Instagram page uh, and a Facebook page, but it's the same uh, woman that I talked about who is the queen of pregnancy resources. This is a, a website that she put together. Um, and I'll send you a link so you can add it to the description box. Perfect. So I would encourage people to check that out. Um, also heartbeat international or CareNet, They both are kind of the Goliaths of pregnancy center, um, pregnancy center work, really. They're kind of like the big hubs that people go to, to learn about pregnancy centers. And those pregnancy centers are plugged into them for additional resources and help. So, um, I would check out heartbeat international and CareNet as well and also okay. I you might want to look into your local diocesan pro-life office yeah. they usually have some pretty good uh, uh places you can start there as well can can i ask you a, a question because i was really and i've heard you talk about it before about rachel's vineyard mm -hmm. is there a, a way people can get involved or support that as well and and if so uh, how do they go about that? Do you know? Yeah. So I would go to their website and connect with them there. Otherwise that's another place I would ask your archdiocese about as well. Um, I'm sure that their family marriage life coordinator or respect life per person would have connections there as well. Um, so you could get plugged into that work. And because, and, because and it's it, important. No, go ahead, Mark. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say at, at Rachel's vineyard, Venezuelans are welcome. Unlike Martha's vineyard. <laughs> Well, I, he's got jokes, folks. <laughs> well, I was just going to say that, you know, we mentioned earlier in the show that you know, we don't support all this other stuff after the baby's born. But I think it's important to the, the people that have made the unfortunate choice of of uh, uh, of having an abortion, you know, yeah, they made a bad choice, but we shouldn't just leave them out to dry. We should support them and push them in the right direction so that they can help further the cause of the pro-life movement overall. And, and and plus, they just need your help and compassion as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yep, they need that relationship, right? It's like in, it, that's how we heal is being in communion with one another. Absolutely. God, require, God, God desires not the death of a sinner, but that they be converted and saved. And, um, 
and and we have to be we have to do as much as we can to be instruments of that and let the Holy Ghost work through us to to save souls. That that's what it's all about. Everything that's we do here. About. That's mm-hmm. what it's all about. Guys, thank you all so much. This has been an enlightening conversation. I've really learned a lot and I've enjoyed this. And um, I'm I'm so glad we got to have you back on the show because I think the last time we had you on, we had audio visual. The issues. audio is terrible. But let me tell you what you <laughs> you are our 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 our, our pro life good luck charm because every time we have you on the show, something huge happens in the pro life <laughs> movement. The last yes. time we had you on, the Dobbs decision was leaked. Yeah. And then I think uh, not long after that, we had we I think we had you on um, avoiding Babylon. They, you were on avoiding we did Babylon. That collab, yeah. And that's when that's when the actual Dobbs decision came out. So I'm excited to see what's gonna what what we've been missing <laughs> while we were on this show. I'm, <gasps> I mean, yeah. I'm enlightened to uh, I, Nancy Pelosi <laughs> renounces her pro-choice stance and goes to confession and oh. rejoins the Catholic church or something like that. I don't know what's God, happened. Let it be true. Yeah. I don't know what's happened since we've been on this show, but we got to have you back. <laughs> Good <on> stuff. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks well, thank for having God. me on. Absolutely. Jason, any parting thoughts? No, just I uh, appreciate your time, Angela. Like I said, I, I know I learned a lot and we didn't even cover everything uh, oh, no. that, that there is to be out there. So if you are interested, yeah, uh, get out there, do some research. I will say uh, be careful what you do see on the internet because there is a lot of bias against the pregnancy centers. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us or, you know, I put Angela's uh, email up on the, on the ticker earlier, email her. I'm sure she'd be happy to oh, yeah. help you with any resources as well. Mm-hmm. May God bless each and every one of you. And it's like I always say, life is hard, but it's harder when you don't pray the rosary. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you all next time. God bless.